Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Welcome. I am Latricia, and with me is my co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hello, Latricia, and hello out there, Difference Makers. It's been a while since I did a little tune, but to give you a hint of what we're talking about today, I'm going to start with Buffalo Soldier, Dreadlock Rasta. There was a Buffalo Soldier in the heart of America. Stolen from Africa, brought to America. He was fighting on arrival, fighting for survival. And then I don't know the rest of the time. Boy, So I don't know all the lyrics of that song. But today we are going to review Concrete Cowboys, which is based on a true story and reflect on how it's so important to tell all of our history. And this movie just brought up so many different emotions for us. And it made me think of my personal experiences and Latricia think of her personal experiences. Latricia, you brought up that song, Buffalo Soldier. Can you tell me why? I mentioned Buffalo Soldiers because we were going to be talking about concrete cowboys and the fact that there have been black cowboys in this country for centuries. And I think the term Buffalo soldiers came up because I was talking about how in the military, there were these black soldiers who rode horseback. They were in the ninth and 10th cavalry and they were called Buffalo soldiers. So there have been black people riding horses for a very long time. When people are surprised about that, it just baffles me because it's like this history exists, but people don't know about it. Absolutely. And thanks to the internet, specifically social media, we're learning so much more about it. And I think about my personal experiences growing up in Mississippi on the television screen. All I did see was white cowboys, cowboys and Indians. We always think of the heroic white cowboy and the savage Native American or indigenous person. And my uncles, they used to love watching cowboys and Indians movies, some John Wayne And I remember um, watching it with them, but I grew up in a rural community, a small town in Mississippi, and I never saw a white cowboy with my own eyes in Mississippi. I always saw a black cowboy. We even had people with nicknames. And one guy in particular, his nickname was Cowboy. That was his nickname. But it was still so many aha moments I had watching the movie Concrete Cowboys. I remember my granddad, he had cows, quite a few cows, dozens of them. And when he wanted to sell one, 
the cowboys would come with their trailers and their horses, and we would sit in the fence stand part of the yard, and we would watch them gather the gather the cow. And the cow would jump and run and jump over things. So that was my experience. But even though I saw that with my naked eye, I still saw on television, on radio, cowboys were white, Wrangler jeans, clothing, cowboys were white. So I think it's good that we diversify ourselves. What do you think about diversifying ourselves too? I, you know what? I think that is really, really important. We have to stop limiting ourselves, believing that we are different than what we actually are or that other people do things that we don't do. And it's like you were saying, you grew up in a place where you physically witnessed this, yet on television, you didn't see on television what you saw with your very own eyes in your environment. I come from a big city where I never saw I never saw anybody riding on horseback outside of in a parade or something like that. I mean, you knew that people went horseback riding at the the horse parks or the the horse ranches or whatever like that, but just to see it as a way of life, I never witnessed that myself. So when I watched this movie, and although this movie is a fictional movie, it's still based on a community that really exists in Philadelphia. And the fact that they had these, that they have, not had, but they have these cowboys right there in the heart of the city. I just thought that was so fascinating. And before we get further into the movie, I have to shout out my classmate. Her shop is called My Cherie Dolls, M-I-C-H-E-R-R-I-D-O-L-L-S. She sells cowboy boots, buckles, and also wallets. So being very Southern dressing is um, just part of our culture back home in um, Hines County, Mississippi. I think of my cousin who dresses like a cowboy. I think of my nephew who dresses like a cowboy. And I just think of even our high school mascot (laughs) had a cowboy hat on. So it was very much part of our culture, but it still didn't seem like it was for us. I guess that's the best way to describe it. So I'm glad that this movie came out that not only Southern Black people or have this culture that it's across all of America. And I just learned so much stuff because whenever we do episodes, I start to become interested in how it is around the world, um, well, around the nation. And um, I just learned so much more information. So please visit My Sheree Dolls wherever you are in America or around the world and buy you some cowboy boots because they last forever. And Latricia, let's get into the movie. What did you think about the movie? What stood out to you specifically? Let's relate it to the values. As far as the movie goes and the values, one of the things that I loved about this movie was the fact that they had this community of 
cowboys that was open up for the youth. So when they had these young people who were going through things, it was like a a mentoring type of things. They they come there and they learn values of their own. They learn responsibility and confidence and hard work. It's just wonderful that there is a place for young people to go to stay out of trouble and at the same time learn a skill and learn new things about themselves. I think it's a great way to build self-esteem and confidence and all of these things. I just thought it was so awesome how they are actually doing that. Yes, it made me think of the Kwanzaa principle, collective work and responsibility, because the young man and the young woman, they didn't just let me get to the cool part. Let me just hop on the horse. They had to first do the manual work of cleaning out the stalls, which may seem very futile, but you can't even, the horses can't function if the stalls aren't clean. So I like that they, that it, that principle was implemented in a movie, Collective Works and Responsibility. You have to be responsible. And I think that keeps people out of trouble, whether it's an equestrian type of activity, whether it's sports, whether it's arts, that there's some type of responsibility that has to take place. What do you think about as it relates to unity? I had a lot of different types of feelings about unity. And I will say this, all skin folks ain't kin folks. But I'm going to let you talk about unity as it relates to the movie. When I think of unity, I think of how when the city was coming to take all of their horses, how they all came together and they tried to stop it, although it didn't work. Another thing, I think the probably the most powerful scene to me when it came to unity was at or near the end of the film when they all got on their horses and they rode through the community and how all of the people in the community, how they just all came together to watch. I thought that that was um, a real beautiful example of unity, how despite all the adversity and all the hardships and all the things that come their way, that they all came together for this common cause. Even when the horses, when the horses had gotten taken and the, I don't know if he was a sheriff deputy or he was a police officer, Method Man, the role that Method Man played and how he allowed them to come in there and still get their horses. So even though it appeared that he was on the opposite side, he was still a part of them. I thought so also. And at the beginning, I was wondering, was Method Man an undercover agent? But I realized that he really did care for the community. He really did care for them. And that was the big turnaround for me is when he assisted them in basically getting their horses back. What I think about with Unity also in this film is towards the very beginning, it makes me think of the South very much so. When they say things like, you so-and-so boy, you so-and-so child. At the very beginning, the neighbor hadn't seen the son in a while, but she knew who 
his father was. I think that peace seems to be missing sometimes in our communities, and it seems so small, but just knowing people promotes unity. And I also think it was brave of the mom to send him to his father. It all it makes me think of it takes a village. It takes a village to raise a child. And the father wasn't alone. He had his um his crew to help him. And I was even dare say the horses, even though they're animals, they provided some type of therapy for the young man as well. So for unity, I think it's um, knowing who's in your neighborhood, knowing their family, and knowing who is amongst you who can support your loved ones. So I really like that part of it as well. He didn't fear that anybody would harm his son. Yep. You know what? I heard somebody say that We've taken the neighbor out of hood. And it's funny that 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 is so true. You hear people always talking about the hood, the hood, the hood. But what happened to the neighbor? It's so true. And I remember growing up how I grew up in a community like that where everybody had everybody's back. You knew all of your neighbors. Your neighbors watched out for the children. If you were up to something, you were getting told on by the neighbors. Nobody was cussing out the elders. You respected the elders. It was a different time. So the fact that they were this huge community, or they weren't a huge community, they were a small community, but they were a small, loving, connected community. So, yeah, I I love that as well. I think that's kind of a good segue to having faith, having faith in our people and your people. I believe a lot of reasons now that we're so apprehensive of being open, of being vulnerable is we seem, it seems that you can't trust people. I don't have any children of my own, but I can understand other people's apprehensiveness. When it comes to faith in this movie, did you see a display of it or did you see a lack of faith? I saw a huge display of faith, even though they, again, had these adversities. They they had to worry about the city tearing down their stables. And they talked about how this is not the first time that something has happened, how they moved. And so when they were like, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? And they're like, we're going we're going to ride somewhere else. We're going to continue doing what we do so they they had faith that no matter what that they were going to continue this legacy that they had with these horses they were going to make sure that they were able to keep their horses and they were able to take care of their horses and they were able to continue to build what they have in this community for these young people and for themselves, because I can only imagine if this is something you've been doing your entire life, the threat of it being taken away from you has got to be painful. But despite all that, I think they continue to persevere. So I I think they display a lot of faith. And I think faith in each other. They, you know, they had this little 
bonfire area where they just sat and talked and and spent time together. They they just really were connected. So I think that they believed in each other and they believed in what they were doing. And as you said that, I thought about one particular part. And we didn't say this, this at the beginning, but spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen the movie or if you're a person that don't like to know parts of the movie before you watch it, you may want to pause this and come back to it because we are going to tell portions of the movie. But one part that I thought was a great display of faith was when the horse broke loose and it was one of the more wild horses and they had to form a circle by holding hands and nobody had to drop their hands. So the horse wouldn't break free. Baby, yeah, Latricia, I see it. All skin folks ain't kin folks. I don't know if I would have been kin to some people then because <laughs> I know earlier I talked about how my granddad had cows. I even had a cousin who had a horse on the same property. But horses are huge when you're beside them. And when they're kicking and stuff, I, I just don't know. So for them to stand their ground and know the person beside them was going to stand their ground and not run. I think that was a exemplary display of faith. Oh, and you know what else? Speaking of that very same scene, the faith that they had in Cole to be able to go and get the horse. This was the horse that he was riding. This was the horse. Yeah, that horse was wild, but that horse liked him or even loved him. And he loved that horse. So the faith that they had in him to be able to go and do it, especially the lady, Lorraine Toussaint's character. I I can't remember the names of the characters because his dad, I think his dad was a little apprehensive about it at first, but she had faith in him. She believed that he could do it. So when they let him do it, and I think that built up some faith and some more character and confidence in himself too. I'm glad you mentioned that scene. That made me think of that. And you know what that scene also makes me think of? Purpose. I feel like that scene was a glimpse of him recognizing and walking into his purpose. I think it's very brave to do so, to walk into your purpose. And your purpose may not look like what you think it is. And we've discussed this on another episode with Coach Billy C. But it was just so much of that, I think, allowed him to say, look within himself and say, I'm capable. He had to have faith in himself, but he also knew at that very moment what his purpose was and that his purpose not only would fuel confidence in himself, but it would also make a community safe. So like your purpose is bigger than yourself. So that's another Kwanzaa principle. Um, Do you think of anything in the movie when it comes to purpose. And I and let me tie it also back to this. The reason why he was with his dad because he was getting in trouble and he was also kind of hanging with the wrong crowd. 
So he, even when he made with his dad, he started hanging with the wrong crowd. So knowing that too, just touching on that as well, that your purpose isn't going to, I don't mean religious, but your purpose is going to bring glory to God in some sense. So if you subscribe to um, believing in God, but I think it touched on purpose in that sense. What what do you think about purpose when you think of this movie? And did you think there was a display of it? I think that was a great example that you just said. And another area of purpose that I thought was with the father-son relationship, the dad that was played by Idris Elba, it was his purpose to keep his son safe. And I think he did that. He was able to talk to him about the bad guy that he was hanging around. Well, I I don't want to say he was a bad guy because he really wasn't a bad guy, but he just was into, into drug sales. He was in a dangerous field. So I think his dad was trying to keep him safe from that. And the fact that they, at these stables, that he was learning, again, these skills and these values I think that helped with his dad fulfilling that purpose of keeping his son safe. We talked about collective work and responsibility, purpose, faith, and unity. Do you think any other of the principles were displayed in the film? And if so, how? I think creativity, Kaumba, I think that was a display. It was displayed in the fact that this guy was able to handcraft a saddle for this man in the wheelchair so that he could be able to get on that horse and ride. That was the highest level of creativity to me. I was like, wow, so that he could be able to be balanced and ride this horse. He handcrafted a saddle. So I thought that was a great show of creativity and also just in how they were riding the horses. And then when the young Cole was able to stand up on the horse, I think all of that is just so creative. Those are my things as it pertains to creativity. Self-determination. I was thinking self-determination A great example of self-determination that I saw was the conversation between Cole and his father. First of all, that scene was so intense. When he played that record and told him how he got his name, I thought that was a great example of self-determination because if he couldn't do anything else, He wanted to name his son, and he had the opportunity to name his son. And the reason why he gave his son that name just shows self-determination to me, because part of self-determination is to name yourself, and the reason behind it just makes it that much better. I don't want to give away that whole scene. That was my favorite scene. I want people to be able to feel that for themselves. I think overall, Concrete Cowboys was self-determination because when I think, most of the time when you think of cowboys, you think of either California, Texas Ranch or Southern Farms. And here are these urban 
Black people riding horses in Philadelphia. These urban Black people in Philadelphia said, I will not let anybody define me. I'm going to define myself and I'm going to do what I like. So I think the theme of the movie overall is a big wink to self-determination. But one thing that really, I think for me, shows the importance of money is there was a lack of funds. Um, Not only was there a lack of funds, it seems to be a lack of legal representation, which is why their stalls were torn down. And I think that really drove home to me. This this is now nonprofit is still in existence as of 2021. But I believe if we had, and I mean, we, the Black Collective, had legal representation and funds that they could have still existed in a stronger sense. Money's important. What do you think as it relates to cooperative economics? I commend them for lasting as long as they have lasted. But I think uh, with more money, they could do more things. But they're still in existence. You can still donate to them. I think they wouldn't have dissolved to the level they had if they had more money. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I also think ownership. I think part of the issue is they don't own the land that they have their stable on. So the state was able to come and confiscate the land because they they don't have ownership. I didn't see cooperative economics in the film, but I see cooperative economics post-film and that they they have this GoFundMe account where people are donating to their GoFundMe to keep them going. And I think I also read that there was a philanthropist or someone who heard of, of their story and gave them some money as well. So that's where I see cooperative economics, not within the film, but just as it pertains to that particular community. But you know what else I found out? They're not the only Black uh, cowboy community. They have writers in, I think, in Compton and I think Detroit. And there were a couple of other places that I saw. When I was exploring more about cowboys, because it's so interesting, and I was reading about these Black rodeos and how some issues that some of the Black people were having with getting in the rodeos, that very thing that you talked about having money, it came to play when this guy, he was able to buy some land so that they can have some place to house their horses and to be able to do what they needed to do so that they weren't dependent on other people. So you're absolutely right. It's really important to be able to have those financial resources. And I also saw that for 30 years, there was a Black rodeo convention in New York. The guy that did it, he has a doctoral degree, and he saw that there was some discrimination when Black people entered the rodeo. So he started a Black rodeo um, in the 80s. It lasted for 30 years. Um, So if you ever follow the Facebook page, Voices of New York or People of New York, I had saw that on their 
Facebook page recently this week, and I said, oh, my gosh, New York City? So, like you said, it is all over. I was in Mississippi maybe two weeks ago, and while I was there, there was a Black rodeo show. There is still very much a Black rodeo community and Black steppers. That's what they call them sometimes when the horses do, like, performances and parades and things. Sometimes they call those steppers. And I just like how diverse we are in a diaspora, no matter where we are in America or even the world. So now I'm more curious to see not only what we're doing in America, but also the world. Like, so I'll be researching that. So Latricia, it's it's been so great reviewing the principles with this movie and just scrolling down memory lane of our personal experiences with the western cowboy community have you ever ridden a horse me riding a horse has been a big fat no my cousin growing up he had a horse when i would go to my grandparents property his his um mom stayed on the same property and i still have ridden a horse now i have two cousins um not even two cousins i have a few cousins that are really good at riding horses. So I have to, I have to do that. Um, one time I come home. So Delisha, if you listen to this podcast, you got to put your old cousin on a horse one day. I can't be a Southern girl who's never ridden a horse. What about you, Latricia? Have you ever ridden a horse? I have ridden a horse and it was pretty fun. I would love to live in the country and own a horse and ride horses. That would be awesome. And Latricia, we did not touch on this, but before we go, um, I just want to touch on the fact what the term cowboy, that even the term cowboy comes from, I'm going to use the word white supremacy, because it says boy, it doesn't say man. So that is a hint that shows us that previously many of the people that handled um, horse work and did things out in the field were black people. So that's why they're called cowboys and not men. Um, they touched on that in the film and they touched on the Lone Ranger and how he had that strip around his eyes because they didn't want to honor him. Historically, there's just so much history about black excellence as it relates to equestrian things as well from pony riders to jockeys and so much more. So I'm going to let that go into our principal challenge that Latricia has for us. Principal challenge. Live them out. Our principal challenge for today is to go over to My Sherry Dolls and make a purchase from her website in honor of cooperative economics. For our next section, open your heart, mind, and ears as we spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. Of course, we like to stick with a theme, so we are going to stick with a cowboy or equestrian theme. 
An 11-year-old girl named Courtney Solomon sprinkled her magic as she wrangled cows while competing in the first televised Black rodeo, which was held in Las Vegas, according to The Undefeated. Her journey to become a cowgirl began at the age of five upon participating in the Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo, which is the U.S. oldest Black-owned rodeo circuit. Here's a big yee-haw for Courtney Solomon. Our second good news is about Kendrick Carmucci. Kendrick Carmucci was the first Black jockey in the Kentucky Derby since 2013, and is just one of a handful over the past century. He didn't win, but continues to encourage other Black riders to compete at higher levels and enter into the Kentucky Derby, despite his own personal hardships. Our third and final good news is from Daryl Homer. Daryl Homer is looking to launch Team USA to a third win when the Tokyo Olympics began on July 23rd. Homer already made history at the 2016 Rio Olympics when he became the first American man to medal since Peter Westbrook, who won a bronze in 1984. His mother initially laughed at the idea of him fencing until he saw two black fencers in the magazines. Let's eradicate the statement, black people don't. We are limitless. This is your good news for today. All right, Latricia, we, I know you're going to tell them about the soul snack, but before you do, Let's remind them that we have to eat too. Please visit our website, livingtheprinciples365.com and buy our t-shirts or make a donation. Now, Latricia, what's the soul snack? Our soul snack for today comes from an African proverb and it says, the horse never refuses a homeward gallop. That's our show for today. Until next time, expand your minds and impact your communities. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.